2 Samuel 14. Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was towards Absalom. Joab sent to Tekoa and brought a wise woman from there and said to her, Please act like a mourner and put on mourning clothing. Please, and don't anoint yourself with oil, but be as a woman who has mourned a long time for the dead. Go into the king and speak like this to him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. When the woman of Tekoa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground, showed respect and said, Help, O king. The king said to her, What ails you? She answered, Truly I am a widow and my husband is dead. Your servant had two sons and they both fought together in the field and there was no one to part them, but the one struck the other and killed him. Behold, the whole family has risen against your servant, and they say, Deliver him who struck his brother, that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he killed, and so destroy the heir also. Thus they would quench my coal which is left, and would leave to my husband neither name nor remainder on the surface of the earth. The king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give a command con Excuse me, concerning you. The woman of Tekoa said to the king, My lord, O king, may the iniquity be on me and on my father's house, and may the king and his throne be guiltless. The king said, Whoever says anything to you, bring him to me, and he will not bother you any more. Then she said, Please let the king remember Yahweh your God, that the avenger of blood destroy not any more, lest they destroy my son. He said, As Yahweh lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the earth. Then the woman said, Please let your servant speak a word to my lord the king. He said, Say on. The woman said, Why then have you devised such a thing against the people of God? For in speaking this word, the king is as one who is guilty, in that the king does not bring home again his banished one. For we must die, and are like water spilled on the ground, which can't be gathered up again. Neither does God take away life, but devises means, that he who is banished not be an outcast from him. Now therefore, seeing that I have come to speak this word to my lord the king, it is because the people have made me afraid. Your servant said, I will now speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his servant. For the king will hear to deliver his servant out of the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together out of the inheritance of God. Then your servant said, Please let the word of my lord the king bring rest. For as an angel of God, so is my lord the king to discern good and bad. May Yahweh your God be with you. Then the king answered the woman, Please don't hide anything from me that I ask you. The woman said, Let my lord the king now speak. The king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all this? The woman answered, As your soul lives, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right hand or to the left from anything that my lord the king has spoken. For your servant Joab urged me, and he put all these words in the mouth of your servant. Your servant Joab has done this thing to change the face of the matter. My lord is wise, according to the wisdom of an angel of God, to know all things that are in the earth. The king said to Joab, Behold, now I have done this thing. Go therefore and bring the young man Absalom back. Joab fell to the ground on his face, showed respect, and blessed the king. Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favour in your sight, my lord king, and that the king has performed the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem.
the king said, let him return to his own house, but let him not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house and didn't see the king's face. Now in all Israel, there was no one to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no defect in him. When he cut the hair of his head, now it was at every year's end that he cut it, because it was heavy on him, therefore he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels after the king's weight. Three sons were born to Absalom and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a woman with a beautiful face. Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem and he didn't see the king's face. Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to see the king, but he would not come to him. Then he sent again a second time, but he would not come. Therefore he said to his servants, Behold, Joab's field is near mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom to his house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent to you, saying, Come here, that I may send you to the king, to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now therefore let me see the king's face, and if there is iniquity in me, iniquity in me, let him kill me. So Joab came to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Well, <laughs> um, in the, in the um, story of Cain and Abel, when Cain kills Abel, the Lord sends him away, he's banished. Now, um, how do you think Adam and Eve felt? Well, it'd, it'd be the same way that every parent feels, and it'd be the same way that David feels. There's still a love for your children, even though they've done the wrong thing. It's the same way the Lord feels for all people who've sinned. All human beings have sinned. We've all turned our backs on God. None of us is any good. The Lord loves us all just the same. So when Cain was banished, his parents still loved him. And when Absalom is banished, he's kind of like a self-banishment, but his father still loves him. So Joab senses, oh, I think David still loves him. Well, of course he still loves him. It's his son. But it was right for him to be gone. In fact, according to the law, uh, he, he should have been killed for, for the sin of murder, according to the Old Testament law. So he... Um, you know, there should have been a proper judicial process here. This isn't a battlefield killing. This is a uh, peacetime murder killing. Now, he did it in revenge for his sister because he hated his brother. But even there, there should have been a judicial process at work to bring about that same end, but it didn't. And so Absalom becomes guilty as well. Now, Joab decides to intervene and get him back, right, and sends this wise woman and they have that fancy story to trick the king. Now, the, the story sounds very similar to David's situation, and it is a bit, but it's also a bit different. The story that the, the woman brings, she says, you know, I'm a widow, and I have two sons. In other words, who's going to provide for this woman in, in this ancient culture? Normally, a husband would provide for a wife, but widows often struggled. No one was providing for them. So if they have sons, they'll be okay. But she's got two sons, and one kills the other. The one's obviously now dead. The other now flees. That's the part that's similar. 
you know, the two sons, one kills the other. But the story apart from that is not similar at all because this woman is a widow. She's got no one to care for her. Plus, the family line is going to be snuffed out. So she basically appeals to the king. And what she's really appealing for is that my other son's life be spared so that my life can be spared. She's really appealing for her own life. But if you compare that to the situation with David, it's really not the same. David does have two sons. One kills the other and one goes hiding. But David's not in any danger at all. He's not, his life isn't in danger. He's not, he's not a widow or anything like that. And so it's really a not... They, they use this story with a trick in it to appeal to David and then say, ha-ha, this is you. But it's, it's really a, a story with a twist. It's not... It's not quite the same as when Nathan comes to David with a story about the sheep, which was the same type of a situation. Some of the Bible commentators, they said, oh, it's the same type of thing as Nathan the prophet. No, I don't think it is. Nathan the prophet came with a word from the Lord. This was just Joab thinking up a tricky story that's not even, he, he twists David's emotions because David feels compassionate for this poor widow who's got no one to care. And then the next thing he realizes, he's be, he said something about himself, which is not even the same situation. Absalom should have stayed in banishment. That's, he should have stayed there. He should not have been brought back. But when David was tricked into bringing him back, David says, I will not see his face. So David, he's consented, but he's still trying to enforce the punishment. And it should have stayed enforced because um, in the end, what Absalom received was mercy. And it's the same as Cain. In the Old Testament, Cain received mercy. You see, Absalom was a murderer who should have been put to death according to the law, but he was shown mercy and he was allowed to live. So what David is doing is he's enforcing the law, but he's actually he's being merciful. Now Absalom's allowed to be around family and friends, but he's still required to be isolated. It's, it's still mercy. But when Absalom comes back, he now starts conniving and tricking. And now he's against Joab. Joab's the one who's brought him back, but he burns Joab's field down. And he does all of this so he can get back to see the king. So Absalom is sneakily undermining things so he can get back to where he was before. And when he comes back to see the king, do you notice what happens? If you were paying attention, <laughs> he doesn't say sorry. There's no sorry. There's no, I'm sorry I killed your son. Um, you know, I'm sorry that I took the law into my own hands. Um, there's not even a justified attempt at justifying himself. He just acts like I've finally been restored. And so he comes back and he has, he has a very proud and an arrogant attitude. And in some ways, he's a picture of the devil. And um, we talk about this thing called an Absalom spirit. And um, it says he it was describing Absalom. It says he was very, um, well, I said one version of the Bible would say he's very handsome. This one actually says he was very pretty, which is a very strange way to describe a man. But it must have been the word pretty. But, we, but you know, in other words, he was very good looking. And it said that at the end of every year, they would cut his, he would cut his hair and it would weigh 200 shekels. Well, that just boggles my brain because that's very heavy hair. And um, I don't think... It's humanly possible to grow that amount of hair in a year. I th uh, one of the commentators, there's all there's an actual discussion um, amongst the weight of Solomon's hair, believe it or not, all different opinions. 
And one person said a comment which I thought that was a sensible comment. <laughs> and they said, it wasn't the weight of the hair in um, like, you know, how heavy it is. It was the weight of the hair in monetary value. Like shekels can be both a, um, a weight and a currency. And they were saying that his hair was 200 shekels. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I really don't know which one it is, but I'm gonna go with that. Because <laughs> uh, unless he was some kind of like a werewolf character, you know, growing extraordinary amounts of hair. But apparently he was very good looking and this hair would grow very long. And he was someone that caught the eye and he was very smooth in the way he talked. And to me, and to other people as well, Absalom is just like a picture of Satan, of Lucifer, someone who's in the king's court, someone that's very good looking, someone that sounds good, someone that's smooth talking, someone that's on your side, but really, they're just, it's all about them. And as we're gonna see in the next chapter, and the chapters after, it is all about Absalom. It, Absalom wants to take this kingdom off David. It doesn't matter that he has killed one of David's sons and done the wrong thing. It doesn't matter all the things that he deserves. No, he's turning this whole entire thing around to try to take the kingdom off David. It's very much an Absalom, it's very much a Lucifer type of a thing. And um, there are people in like this occasionally that you get, you, you do get them in businesses and you get them in clubs and sporting associations and you get them in churches too. People are so smooth and so good looking and so great sounding. But they, they're not interested in others' well-being. They're not, they sound like they are. They're not really interested in the good of the overall thing. They're only interested in their own self-promotion. And so um, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And that's why we must be people of prayer. We pray that, that we clean all such things out of our own hearts and we clean them out of our own churches and communities and, and we, we just got to get evil out. And we'll find that life will be much better without the spirit of Absalom in it. Heavenly Father, I pray that, the, that you would keep us from the sin of Absalom. Lord, we just rebuke the Absalom spirit. We command it to depart from our churches. We command it to depart from our communities and our lives, our families. We rebuke it. We break its power in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to also keep it out of us so that, Lord, we don't seek our own self-promotion. Lord, we, instead of being like Satan, we'd be like Christ, who came to, to seek, to save the lost, to serve. We didn't seek to be served, but came to serve. Help us to be like that. Lord, what a wonderful thing. So I pray you'd put instead of, Lord, Absalom, put into our hearts the spirit of sonship, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, that would fill us with the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.